0: Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 153. Welcome back, Adam Antomaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope everyone had an awesome Halloween. I love it when people participate in Halloween. And this year, I really got the notion that people were eager to to celebrate Halloween, and maybe because last year, things were still a little iffy with the pandemic. And so this year, it truly felt like Halloween was back. Of course, I love the Halloween parties on the weekend and getting dressed up myself, but it's also fun on the day of. to uh, to hand out candy to the kids and I actually love even after all the kids have gone home I just take my dog for a walk and just kind of check out the neighborhood and all the decorations and the vibes going on and uh, and this year in Toronto it was kind of like really gloomy all day on on Halloween day and I remember thinking oh that's going to suck for you know the kids tonight but it kind of caused it to be really foggy and so it kind of added an extra spookiness to the night and even like just the next day it's always great the day after Halloween to scroll through social media and see everybody's pictures and what they dressed up as. So I hope you guys enjoyed this Halloween as much as I did. I also hope you enjoy this upcoming episode. We got a new rising star on the podcast today. He goes by the name of Breland. He's just released his debut album. It's called Cross Country, which is a very fitting title because he's one of those genre-bending artists. He does a little bit of country, a little bit of rap, a little bit of pop music. And so I met up with Breland at a country music showcase, actually, right here in Toronto at the Dakota Tavern. And I got to pick his brain about his life and the music he makes. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy some of the stories he has to tell. He's already worked with world-class artists, lots of collaborations, even on his debut album alone. He's got Keith Urban on there, Lady A, uh, Thomas Rhett. So if you haven't already, definitely go check out Cross Country. But we're going to do next the Adamantium Recommend segment. So for those of you who are maybe new to Breland's music, here are five songs that I recommend that you could check out before or after the interview. So starting with a few songs off of Cross Country, we're going to start with the first song on the album, which is called Here For It, which features Ingrid Andress. Then I recommend the song Praise The Lord, which features Thomas Rhett, as well as the song Natural and the song For What It's Worth. And then from his debut self-titled EP from 2020, I'm going to recommend a song that kind of put Breland on the map as not only a songwriter, but an artist himself, and that song's called My Truck. And that's it. Now, if you're a Breland fan who's tuning in to the Adamantium podcast for the first time today, you probably know all those songs already, but we thank you for tuning in today and we hope that you will tune in again someday. We've got plenty of other country artists, pop artists, rock and roll artists, heavy metal, everything hip hop a plethora of interesting conversations, if you will, so please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also follow The Adamantium Podcast on social media. We're on Instagram, at The Adamantium, on Facebook, at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter, at Adam R. Harrison, but you can also find us just by searching The Adamantium Podcast. And that's all I've got for today, so let's get right into today's conversation with Breland, right here on episode 153 of The Adamantium Podcast. I hope everybody has a fantastic week. Be good, be safe. God bless, and we will see you back here again real soon. Got first album. Debut album yes, just sir. came out last month in September. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I had to listen through the full thing today, and it is awesome, man, and very unique, which yeah, I love. You. And um, let's 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 start there. Yeah. So the album's called Cross Country. Yep. And one thing that I read is that's kind of how you like to refer to the genre of music right. that you make. Yeah. Um, why do you prefer calling it something like Cross Country as opposed to like quote unquote country? rap yeah. Or country trap? Um,
1: because it's not all trap and rap influence you know Mm -hmm. it's uh it's a little bit more sonically inclusive Mm -hmm. uh and i'm a singer first yeah and i can rap as well but i'm 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 a singer first and foremost so i think being able to incorporate elements of gospel and r&b and even you know rock or reggaeton you can't really it would be a little reductive to to call it just yeah, country and if,
0: if I had only heard say natural yeah. or for what it's worth, I like, those are pretty much pure country. Yeah, traps. that's true. Yeah. So I
1: think that, you know it really just depends on right. on the listener. But I feel like for the the body of work, everything on there has a country element to it, yeah. but is you know a lot of the songs are playing around with some other things as well.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean in general, country and hip hop are not two genres, people kind of off frequently put together Yeah. where did you realize that there might be an opportunity in this kind of sub-genre
1: yeah I mean I think Nelly's probably the first one that I came mm. across who was, who was doing that in a meaningful way uh, and then obviously in the last five years there's been a lot of it but mm-hmm. even when you look at some of the stuff that like Florida Georgia Line and Sam Hunt mm-hmm. have done uh, a lot of that stuff was crossing over and I, I was becoming more and more aware of that intersection and then uh, obviously with the, the Lil Nas X uh, awesome. You know that one really kind of put it on the map in a in a new way and in a yeah. viral way that people hadn't really considered before. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I became aware of it probably 2017, 18. That that intersection was viable,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but then just kind of seeing where Were you already where it went. Type of music already? Not necessarily. Okay. I was mostly writing songs for people for right. a few years before I put any music out myself, and I was living in Atlanta and. Uh, I was really just making music based on people that I thought I would be able to get songs to. Uh, and so a lot of that was like kind of like classic R&B. I did a lot of stuff with like 90s R&B acts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, more modern stuff and, and hip hop definitely played played a big part in that. And as a songwriter, though, I was always the one person in Atlanta that was trying to push lyric first, Mm -hmm. not necessarily first, but lyric forward. Uh, And I think a lot of times in modern R&B and hip hop, at least in the Atlanta circuit of writing songs, it's all melody and beat driven. uh, And then the lyric is kind of an afterthought. You might freestyle a whole verse and then Mm -hmm. fill in a couple blanks and be like, well, this sounds good. Let's go with it, whether or not it's saying what you want it to say. And I was always the one that's like, I feel like we could beat this lyric. And that's kind of what, where I started finding myself aligning with country more because okay. I was listening to uh, some some Chris Stapleton stuff with the travel project and I was just like man these songs are really really well written and like there's not there's no wasted words in here and uh that was appealing to me so I, when I started seeing that intersection of country and hip hop I was like you know what like I didn't grow up on this music, but I do think that there's a lane here for me to be able to offer something interesting.
0: Yeah, so where did, like, you know, when you think country music, you know, states like Tennessee, Texas... Yeah. ...you know, come to mind. Coming from New Jersey, when... Where was your... Where was your introduction to country music?
1: Yeah, I think probably my first introduction was uh, Rascal Flatts. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, gr- I grew up in church and... uh my parents both lead worship, and uh, pretty much was only listening to gospel music for a while. And there's a lot of crossover in Rascal Flat stuff, uh, both lyrically and vocally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that Gary sings is, uh, you know, there's a lot of influence from the black church, mm-hmm. and uh, I I loved the runs that he was doing, his range. My parents did too, so he was probably the first country artist that gotcha. uh, that really came across my ear but uh, even after that I was in an acapella group in college and we sang a few country covers uh, and we did Colder Weather by Zac Brown Band yep. and uh, just the lyric and the melody on that were so transformative for me mm-hmm. to really be like okay there's because, you know, I think a lot of times if you don't grow up on country music, it's this thing that can sometimes feel very regional. Yes. And if you aren't from one of the states that you mentioned, you might feel like you don't belong there. Mm-hmm. And some of the songs were just so good that I'm like, I don't really care mm-hmm. whether or not I can culturally relate to some of this stuff. I can appreciate it as a mm. music lover.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it is. It's very, I guess pigeonholed it as being from there but I had a artist from Texas too saying you know Toronto is like a really unhit market for country music yeah like, you know you come here in the summer Zach Brand- Brown is, is filling stadiums here too yeah like, we have country lovers oh, Ontario is a massive you know country outside market. of Toronto Ontario is a massive yeah.
1: and and newer markets that are still being tapped into mm. up here too like we yeah. played uh, Lasso Fest in right. Montreal and it was the inaugural country music festival right. in Quebec so you know, I'm, I'm seeing it happen in real time and, yeah. uh, you know, I love seeing some of those, uh, stereotypes be challenged.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, we have boots and hearts here, Oh, which dude, is, like, which is massive. Yeah. Massive. Um, you mentioned already, and there was one thing I want to ask about you, your, your parents were ministers yeah, yeah. and you know, gospel is playing in the house. Do you, did you have a love for music? Growing up from hearing that in your house, oh, definitely, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah you you have to sing in the Brooklyn household. Yeah, what did you
0: learn from from that type of music?
1: Um, you know, it's, it it comes from it's it's comes from the spirit. You yeah. know, so in in the church world, there's there's a lot of gifted singers, but mm-hmm. then there are some people who have what we call an anointing yeah. on their voice, where there's just something in their voice that it, you know where it comes from, yeah. and you can't deny it, and it. It hits you at your core when you hear it, yeah. and that's why a lot of gospel music, even for people who aren't Christian at all, maybe aren't religious at all, they hear it and it like brings them to tears. It's yeah. very emotional, and that's because there's something in it that you can't quite put your finger on, and it's because it's a, it's associated with the divine. Right. So I think growing up, uh, you know, I I was exposed to a lot of really great vocal, uh, great vocalists. You know, my parents are, are both really competent. And that competent is not even the right word. They're incredible. I yes. mean, they're, they're great singers. Their ear for harmony is unreal, and so I grew up in that. And, you know, and I wasn't like some phenom kid who had all this the range and the runs. I wasn't that kid. I was pretty quiet and shy. My, my older sister was more of the star of the family growing up, but over time, I kind of developed my voice and um, kind of was developing my voice and my pen simultaneously. Did you and
0: your sister ever make music together, or was that?
1: Um, you know, we, we sing. You know, we'll yeah. do like covers of stuff on the internet. But you know, she, her life has taken her in a different path, right. uh, and she didn't end up pursuing music professionally. Okay. So, we're anytime you sp- you know like look if you spend fifteen thousand hours doing something. Right. With a, you know, with a professional goal in mind and then you just do something casually because you ha- are naturally talented, at a certain point there's going to be a, a difference in s- skill level because of just the amount of hours of that hours you're putting, putting in. in. So I, I think at this point she's not a songwriter really, mm-hmm. but she's a great singer still and she's classically trained so she can do things with her voice that I've never been able to do. Wow,
0: amazing. And is it important for you um, now even still to kind of incorporate that kind of roots that you oh
1: definitely yeah yeah I mean and it makes its way onto the album I and mean, we we obviously have Praise the Lord on yeah, the album right. with TR that's uh, been one of my best performing songs and has crossed over in a lot of communities outside of the traditional country space which is what I knew that song had the potential to do uh and Sorry, well, I was going to say
0: one thing I loved about that song too is it kind of incorporates both worlds because it's yeah. kind of got that tongue-in-cheek kind of country. Yeah, it's got the country lyric and it's yeah. got
1: that kind of uh, you know twangy guitar lick, but it's also super churchy. Yeah, um, and then even with some of the songs that you might not identify as gospel or. Gospel influence necessarily, but I can look at just the way that I stack backgrounds on a song mm-hmm. like "Here for It," the album opener with Ingrid Andress. Uh, you know, she's like, "You know, I'm here for it," and then I'm calling, responding, "Here for it" in the back. You know, yeah. and I laid probably 32 vocals, uh, stacked probably 32 vocals on wow. that to to make sure it was full and felt yeah. choiry, and we tucked it down so it's not in your face like that, but for me to be able to do that and to think to do that is definitely based on how I grew up.
0: Right. Very cool, then The song, uh, Cross Country 2, I found really interesting. Like, it basically, I was going to say almost autobiographical, but it is yeah. autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I liked was the kind of the comparison of not right versus wrong, but it was, like, yeah. left versus right. Yeah, yeah. And, like, how life could have gone. Yeah. And what I found really interesting as watching the video, too, Right. is you're kind of comparing these two lives. But in the end, they both kind of have this happy ending. Like, it could have gone right. either way, the happy ending. Yeah. What?
1: I didn't want to make a value judgment. Right, right. You know, like, is, right. my, I came up with that concept myself with my, uh, in conjunction with the director, James Larice and my creative director, Nada Taha, and uh the th- you know i had this idea of like i just didn't want it to feel like if you don't pursue the the crazy dream that you have that like your life is going to suck or that right. like my life is all better now because right. i i did this or didn't like it's just uh, it's just an interesting thought experiment of mm-hmm. what would happen if you took that chance or is if you the, didn't
0: the alternate reality of what life could have been something that you think about internally often yeah
1: or? i mean not too much because you can't really you can't. change it. Oh, yeah. uh, but it, I'm just fascinated by uh, like alternate realities and the multiverse. And I I sometimes wonder which decisions that I've made have ended up putting me in a certain
0: mm-hmm.
1: on a certain path. You what know, do you
0: think he would have been doing if he didn't do music. I
1: mean, I'd like to say like the way Luke Combs says in in his song "Doing This" right. that. If I wasn't doing this, I'd still, I'd still be, be doing this. You know, it. I think I would be doing something similar, if not exactly this. I, I still would see myself being creative, right, uh, in some capacity. I mean, look, I I went to school as a marketing major, so mm-hmm. uh, I would have been doing something, whether it's in the ad world or, you know, commercials or something. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows?
0: Cool, man. Um, tell me about what inspired the song "My Truck." You know, my yeah. truck was kind of the.
1: The breakout, the
0: breakout song, yeah, and I I do like it. It's really got that tongue-in-cheek yeah. to it. Tell me what, tell me what inspired it, and and tell me, you know, did you expect it all for it to take off in the way that it did?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, expect is probably a strong right, word. I, I I definitely felt like, you know, when I, when we wrote it, it was just having a good time. Right, um, you know, one of my buddies had. My buddy Cal V had that track, uh, and obviously had kind of that toughness to it, uh, that kind of country flavor with the the trap drums, and uh, I was like, oh, I'd love to try to write something to this and see what I can do, but we weren't, we didn't think that it was going to be something that I did. Mm -hmm. In fact, if it was something that I was planning to put out, I probably would have written it a lot differently. Okay. uh, Just because... You know, I might not have put a line like "smoke my blunt" in right. there. You know, yeah. like yeah. just certain certain lyrics that I was like, somebody would say this. You know, right. but then it started to feel like something that I should put out myself. I put a snippet up on Instagram, yeah. and I was putting a lot of snippets of demos up on Instagram and asking people who they thought uh, I was like, "y'all be the A and R. Who do you think should do this Is song?" It? And people would just tag artists, and I got some cuts from doing that. Right. Uh, but with this one, it was like. You should do it, and it was kind of the perfect storm because at that point, a lot of the people who were following me on Instagram for the for the songwriting and the demos that I was posting, uh, some of which did really well just on social media, these people were like, "You need to put these songs out." So they were already kind of, you know, getting to that fever pitch of like, "You need to drop something," and and this was the song. I was like, "You know what? It's different. Yeah, it's different," and I feel like there's a space that. I can occupy here, and I, I gave it some thought, and I was like, oh, I'll put it out, um, but I didn't expect it to blow up, I just felt like there was a chance that it could, and I wanted to give it the that chance. Very
0: nice, man, and it, it has that kind of, you said it's like the, a, a humor that anyone can, whether you listen to country or not, <laughs> right. or, you know, it's kind of yeah, like... Yeah, you know, like, it's fun, you know, like, there's, there's always
1: been some, like songs on the periphery of country music that are like very tongue-in-cheek you think of like a Wheeler Walker Jr. Yeah. Or like a right. dick down in Dallas or I like I
0: find the country artists like to do that too as many songs as there's heartbreak songs oh
1: for sure it's a, like, you know it's,
0: you know the uh, I don't know if you know. There's a country artist, Canadian country artist named Tim Hicks. who yeah, yeah. Says the same thing. He's like on every album. I like to have a couple of those. You gotta have a couple. Yeah, yeah. And you
1: know, I'm a, I'm like kind of a funny dude sometimes. Yeah. So. Uh, you gotta showcase that side. You too. gotta. I gotta showcase that side because there's just some yeah. things. Sometimes you want to be able to have like a lyric in a song, even right. if it's not gonna be as quite as silly as a you know, don't touch my truck. It oh, might right. be something and, and throw it back like a. Shawty got the levy breaking Chevy super heavy duty toot toot what a doot doot like you know what a, yeah. like whatever man like it's yeah. just it's just kind of free range rolling with it yeah we're coming up with it off on the top
0: and you and I mean you you like you mentioned that you're no newcomer to writing with people or writing music for other people yeah but on this album you got a chance to collaborate with quite a yeah. few people and yeah yeah so one obviously that stands out is is Keith Urban yep and not only did you do a song for your album but you also worked on a song for his album. yeah yeah so tell me what it was like how did you get connected with Keith and and what was it like working with him
1: yeah I mean Keith reached out super early in my career really? I literally only had my truck and maybe another song out and uh, you know the pandemic had hit and I was honestly kind of concerned like what are we gonna do like yeah, it's yeah. the worst time to be a new artist you know like in the history of Right, music. You yeah. know, there's never been a worse time to be a new artist. But then there were a lot of silver linings to it, which is that people were all at home. And so, you know, that led to people all kind of getting on TikTok. And that became a new discovery platform for a lot of artists. Uh, but I, I was still trying to figure out what to do. Uh, and Keith reached out at a really pivotal moment and uh, invited me to his house to write some songs. And... Um, I played him the first song we did was Throw It Back, and I already had that chorus, uh, and and kind of a rough sketch of you know the track, and and was just kind of playing him a few songs that I was working on because he, I only had a couple songs out so my yeah. discography. He was just like, I would love to hear more, you know, yeah, yeah. and so I started playing a few things that I was working on, and that was one of them, and he was like i like this a lot he was like let's like pull it up like let's do it and i was like what i'm like yeah totally thinking we would be doing something that was more keith like and this was so out of his usual range but keith is also someone that feels music on a really visceral level Mm -hmm. and he doesn't care about whether something whether you think he would do something or not if Mm -hmm. he likes it he likes it it. and Uh, You know, that was really informative for me to watch someone at his level be as experimental as he is. And his whole creative process is like that. So all the music that we have out together, whether it's Throw It Back or Out The Cage or Soul Food on his album that we co-wrote or Crimson Blue that we co-wrote for Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu, all four of those songs are entirely different Mm -hmm. sonically. And how we arrived at those songs is, is... different in a lot of ways but at the core of all of those and I think the thread is that we're both just trying to have a good time and and make something that feels right Mm -hmm. and we're both in service of the song at at every turn so I think we're very uh, very aligned in our objectives whether it's Going to be a song that sounds very rock influenced, or very hip hop influenced, or very pop, or whatever. We both just want to make the best song possible, and we don't care what that ends up sounding like.
0: That's very cool, man. Um, And you touched on it slightly, but like you said, what I've and I've heard from a number of artists as we started even this podcast, doing it back in person, yeah, the frustrations of it. You know, being a breakthrough artist in the pandemic years, Man, you know what I mean? And it's tough for well, certain people. Like, right, because people like I had the song blow up and, you know, the first thing you normally would do is go this, on tour. Which, right, or, go you know, play, play shows lives. and
1: yeah. we just didn't have those yeah. opportunities. I look at somebody like an Ingrid Andrus who mm. was poised to go nuts right yeah. before the pandemic and she had to kind of regroup and figure out what she wanted to do and I'm so excited to see the success of Wishful Drinking and uh, you know her album that just came out as well but you know there's everyone had to figure out how to move forward Uh, and I think one of the silver linings of the pandemic if there are any is that uh, you know it it kind of forced our hand to get Mm. creative and to innovate
0: I think another silver lining too for for me it was and, and, a, and a lot of people was like on top of that I think we learned to appreciate too like for instance live music yeah and then when we were able to do live music again there was like this explosion of live music at least oh, for sure here, here in Toronto anyway oh the I mean, like, same this for... past summer it was like every night you could go see somebody you've heard of you right
1: know? I mean yeah. if I look at my career and all of the shows that I played from you know, when I was born until 2020 through 2020, it was zero shows. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and then 2021, we played maybe 25 shows, yeah. and we've played over 100 shows this year. Right. And I feel like we'll probably, we're on pace to do this yeah. something similar next year. And, uh, you know, I have a newfound appreciation for every aspect of the career, whether it's an interview or, uh, you know, a meet and greet or a show or a photo shoot or a video yeah. shoot, because you know, I started out my career with all of these high hopes and then had to reassess yeah and and as you said, you know, you can't take any of this for granted.
0: I think too, even from the audience's standpoint, yeah. like where you know, somewhere like here in Toronto we're so spoiled for live music. Like yeah. every you know, Toronto's one of the places you always hit up. Yeah. And so even people will be like, Well, you know, I'll just show up for the headliner and stuff and now I'd notice like opening sets are people getting come full early. because it's like you know we haven't had live music, let's check you know, let's yeah. let's hear the this artist. Yeah, I think we're definitely getting
1: like, uh, more appreciative audiences sure. and I think as an artist we feel that Energy mm-hmm. and it's it gotta be pushes us guys. to want yeah. p- to play better shows too. When mm-hmm. you can, you know, it's a, it, being on stage. The uh, some Garth told me once that the audience's experience is a direct reflection of your own. Yeah. And if you're on stage with a heart of gratitude mm-hmm. and having the best time of your life. They'll feel that too, yeah. and then when you feel them feeling that, it becomes it's this. a cycle. It's not a vicious cycle. It's like a positivity. Cycle, yeah, it's like yeah, a like like delicious a, cycle. Yeah, I don't know. Very nice. But it it's it, it definitely helps. Yeah. You know.
0: Cool. One other really cool thing that I noticed, that was kind of a again a oh this is kind of random but cool was one of your songs. Uh, it was called Three. Was used for like a Conor McGregor <laughs> yeah, play yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. For, tell me how that opportunity yeah. came about and. Yeah. So,
1: it was, I don't don't even remember how it originally came about, but someone from my team asked if I wanted to make a song for UFC and they already had the the track for it. Um, and it was a Scott storage track and, um, you know, definitely in the hip hop space. And I was like, you know, I don't get a whole lot of opportunities to just spit. And I was like, let me, let me, let me give them some bars. Uh, and so I just kind of put it together and got to get in in a different headspace. uh, and it, it was a, it was a lot of yeah. fun you know i'm someone that as i said before bro it's it's all genreless so yeah i love i love being able to do that
0: so did you get to did yeah. you get to attend the fight after they night?
1: invited me out but yeah. we had a show right. uh we had a show somewhere out like on the opposite side of the country the next day and i was like vegas and i was gonna have to come back east and it would yeah. require a red eye and i was right. just like you know what i'll catch i'll catch the next one yeah
0: right i think mcgregor lost that one yeah, so, yeah
1: yeah <laughs> but i did i did watch from home and uh did you, you hear
0: know. a song there?
1: Yeah, they played almost, it. They played it in all of the ads yeah, leading great. up. And what was that
0: like? When was that experience like? It's cool. Yeah,
1: I'm a big sports fan, so yeah. I'm always watching ESPN. And like randomly commercial breaks, I'd be sitting watching a basketball game, and they'd be promoting the fight. And it would be like, the song playing, and it'd yeah. show me on the on the ticker. It was it was really cool. That's a
0: cool experience. Well, again, man, thank you so much for taking some time. Your day. Yeah, this was really cool.
1: Yeah, nice to chat with you too, yeah. man. Yeah, cool, man. For sure.